firstly, I love the the new songs from the new album. Um, I think the world needs more guitar-driven, younger bands like yours. I think it's um, it's really awesome what you're doing, um, and I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. I bet, like, genuinely. Um, you know, I was thinking about this the other night. The your press kit throws around some big names that is that are almost unfair. You know, to, to have you described um, in the in the same lines as as uh, you know Stevie and Jimmy Vaughn and Freddie King and Billy Gibbons and such. Um, I would. I felt like that was a little unfair in the sense that those are big names to be to be compared to as as relatively young as you are. So I'm curious how you would describe you your playing and your band to somebody who doesn't know you very well. Yeah, you know the the name comparison thing is always a funny game and you know it's kind of like, you know, when we're touring everywhere at everybody has a band, you know, that they say, "Oh man, you remind me of so and so." And it's really just there, you know, it's, it's a, it's one person's way of, you know, kind of comparing and, and most of the time they're doing it from a place of, of, you know, a complimentary place, you know, and, uh, as a guitarist and, uh, you know, kind of like just a musician, of course it's, it's a weird feeling when anybody relate, relates or compares you to somebody you like, you know, idolize or, you know, the, the greats that are in my opinion, you know, um, it's one of those things where I'm like, well, damn, I just need to go practice twice as much now, you know? Um, but at the same time, uh, I guess my, my own comparison would be that we are a three-piece playing, you know, basically root-style music being that, you know, it's three people with instruments in their hands making it happen in real time. Um, but we're, we're amped up. We're rock and roll, you know? Like, I get a lot of influence from roots, um, uh, musicians and then you know my drummer loves john bottom and the food fighters you know and stuff like that i think that's that those are great examples and you know to kind of mash that together in a, in a trio makes for for something a little bit unique yeah that's the thing about trios man you can't have any slackers and <laughs> it's kind of fun to like you know ever to try and hold down the the foundation that needs to be there but then see how we can kind of experiment with pushing boundaries just with three people, you know, yep. kind of just the limits make it exciting. Um, so, you know, kind of touching a little bit on the, the musicians that were influences for you. Um, those are, you know, the, the further we get away from those names in terms of their, um, you know, central space in the, in the music industry, um, I'm always curious how people find though find their way to those influences. So talk a little bit about how you uh, found your way to the, to the guitar influences that that we talked about. Uh, I mean, like a lot of guitarists, for me, it was hearing Hendrix at a younger age, uh, uh, right along in my dad's car when I was probably ten, and that kind of just became my obsession with electric guitar. You know. Um, just hearing the sounds you made, I was interested in how in how can I make those sounds, you know? Um, but then it was also being introduced to music that I was just kind of around. I think, you know, just growing up in Texas and Louisiana, the 
music that's playing from a young age, you know, is, is a lot of country roots and blues and stuff like that. And so getting into Stevie Ray and, um, and more, you know, which would be contemporary blues player at that time, you know, um, it was getting into their influences, you know, and that's kind of how I found myself going back in time, you know, and all the way to the beginning of what I could really listen to, like Sunhouse and Robert Johnson's style of blues, you know, um, and then everything in between, just because I really wanted to get an idea of where players like Hendrix and Stevie Ray were coming from by, you know, listening to what they I had, had talked about in interviews and things like that, you know. It's kind of funny that you say that because even as a music listener, you kind of, I found my way to, you know, the Stevie Ray, and then because you find out who he was, the covers he was playing and things like that, you you do kind of, you have to become a student of it almost. It, it is like that, and I was always a huge, you know, even before I started playing uh, electric guitar, my first, like, uh, I guess opportunity to sit down and choose the music I was listening to was my dad giving me his cassette collection um, from the '80s, and it had a lot of a lot of classic rock, a lot of classic country, um, and it was like 50 or so tapes. But I was able to sit down with albums, you know, and 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 that is exactly how it is. You kind of become a student, and you just want to find out more and more. And you know, especially at age, you know, when you're a teenager, all that music is just soaking in, you know. Um, so I, I was just listening really heavily to novels was popular whenever I was a kid, you know? And it's almost like you read my mind there, because that was kind of what I was thinking, is, um, you know, the further we get away from that music being central, it's not really the most popular thing for kids to listen to. So that made me think last night, um, you know, what was it like for you to to be listening to music that was different than your friends growing up? Um, you know, it, it was really all driven by the obsession of playing, trying to play the music on the electric guitar is why I was listening to, you know, your, your classic rock gods, Hendrix, Zeppelin and all that stuff, you know, like in middle school. Um, and it was because I wanted to play that kind of stuff. I was so infatuated with the instrument. And so what that means, you know, is, is I found myself hanging out less and doing whatever on the weekends with friends and, and playing guitar in my bedroom or, you know, Eventually, I started going out uh, and playing, you know, at live jams in Houston, which, you know, looking back, I always think about how fortunate I was growing up in a city like Houston that has a lot of ties to a lot of music that I was listening to then. You know, it, it still had a strong blues, still has a strong blues jam community and and uh, all kinds of genres, you know. But um, I was able to get out and play with older players, which started and kind of sparked my love for playing music live. And then that paired with just loving playing guitar in my bedroom, you know, really just kept me addicted to all, all that. And I didn't really mind not, you know, going to the football game or whatever. Did you? What did you find about, um, you know, going out and playing with other musicians that you're able to bring into what you do uh, with your own band? Um, uh, you know, it's the the improv space and stuff. I, I guess I was lucky to be able to get the opportunity to play as a young player with uh, older players, you know, and they, and they really showed me the ropes um, at an early age or just how to share the stage and how to, how to jam with other musicians, you know, when to shut up, when not to play, that type of stuff. And, uh, and so I feel like, you know, that's 
kind of been the driving force behind what feels good whenever maybe I'm riding with, with uh, the group or jamming with anything. You know, it, it doesn't have that kind of we're on the edge of improv feel. You know, I, my drummer grew up in a very similar environment, you know, just cutting teeth at an early age, you know, like I said, I wasn't going to the football game. I was going to the ice house, you know, in the woods uh, or in the sticks, you know, uh, in Conroe, Texas, and jamming every weekend for a couple hours, you know. Um, and that really taught me a lot of lessons early on. I was, you know, grateful to learn. You're right. You know, I think I'd heard in another one of your interviews lately that you had only taken a, a, a year and a half or two years worth of guitar lessons. Um, I think there's there's a lot to learn. It's just like having a conversation. You, you and I are talking now and kind of playing off each other, and it's all about you know not um, not talking over each other and having a an even conversation. And those are kind of things you don't learn from a book. One hundred percent, especially musically. You know, and that's why I always try and suggest to. Uh, to, you know, young musicians that are learning to get out and, and try and play music with, with someone, you know, because um, it's just the live environment or even just playing with another person in the room. It's like everything you've been focusing on and practicing so hard on individually comes at you at a faster rate and you're learning in a different way that just kind of it clicks, you know. Um, I think it's the best thing you can do. Um. It, kind of going back to some of the stuff that you discovered younger um, in terms of influences and things that in the in that blues rabbit hole um, was there anything that you found that you sur that surprised you that you liked uh, surprised me that I like yeah I definitely through the years there have been things that uh you know, you hear something you've never, like, I've never heard anything like this. And that might have been what I got addicted to is, is you know, especially when you, you are, you start to make music your career and you're a music lover, you, you've listened to anything you get your hands on, you know, and when you hear something that generally blows your mind. But for me, like Buddy Guy was the first more traditional style of blues guitarist that I kind of fell in love with and that made me interested enough to go back to, uh, to earlier styles and stuff and you know it'd be years until I get more into uh, like jazz and and swing and and, and jazz guitarists and and any brass players and stuff like that but whenever I was younger I just really really started to enjoy just these more traditional styles like Chicago and Delta Blues you know and that wasn't that, that was, like I said earlier that was one of those styles where like maybe some of my friends listened to Zeppelin you know but no one was listening to, you know, slow acoustic Delta Blues and loving it, you know? Yeah. Um, I know for me, Muddy Waters is the one where I tell people, you know, if you told told me, told 15-year-old me that I would dig Muddy Waters now, I, I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have not even known who that was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's a part of, like, taste developing. And that, like I said, that's what's so exciting is when you, Hear something for the first time, and you can't even say why you like it. You know, you said, "Man, this is different." Yeah, those those things that hit different, and then you know, you as a musician, you you can take those things and and plug them into what you do on a on a regular basis. Yeah, 
Yeah, there is a po- there was a point. Uh, you know, uh, I think all musicians start to look at music some at a certain point when you kind of become. Whenever I became sorry, motorbikes in the neighborhood. Um, whenever I became proficient enough with my instruments where I could feel like I could express myself, then listening to guitars became like collecting, you know, licks and phrases and new vocabulary. Listening becomes like an active study to music, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm curious who you're listening to now that's influencing you. Man, I, I said Food Fighters earlier, and I, I still always find something uh, new to learn, learn from those guys. And uh, But um, Pine Grove was a band that I got into heavily over the last couple of years, which is they're more ink into like soft rock. And uh, you know what it is, though, is they're a group that kind of emulates a more classic sound. I'd say that out of all the eras of music, I've always gravitated towards like 19th, the 70s era of recordings. I just thought it was a great time, like, you know, recording technology history where, you know, the gear got a little better to where a drum kit sounded like a drum kit and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a snare drum in the 80s, you know, it hadn't, <laughs> it hadn't messed with everything just yet, you know. So, um, so I think that's why I've been digging them and kind of getting influence from this band Pine Grove is because the songs are well-crafted. It sounds like a band in a room, but there's, you know, like kind of a fresh take on using like a steel guitar, but it doesn't sound like a country and Western tune, you know? Nice. I, I don't know that I know that band. I'll have to go check them out. Yeah, they're out of, uh, they're out of, of New York or uh, New Jersey, I believe. Up, up your way, Will. Okay. Um, so kind of spinning us back toward the, the uh, the new album um, it's been maybe six months or so since I know you started doing interviews having to do with the album and um, you know at the time there were only a, the couple of singles um, the, this far away are you are you getting close to getting the album finished we're um, we're still in uh, we're finishing up some writing for it and have yet to go in for our big, our big longer sesh of recording more tunes. Uh, as mostly because we wanted to get those singles out early and we hit the road this year. Um, and it's already probably our first time juggling being on the road more than we ever have been this summer, you know, in uh, spring. And, and then um, obviously riding and recording the new album. But it's going great. What I've loved is we've had a lot of time to play new material live on the road and kind of road test songs and change things every night, you know, see what feels better or what not. Um, so the, the progress is going great, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to put out in 2020. That's awesome. Um, so this album is your third. Um, this is a kind of a standard question that I like to ask people based on something that I read Jimmy Page used to say in, in interviews is an album is meant to be a snapshot of where your band is Motorbikes? No, no, sorry, that's just the, the, the neighborhood some people fly through here. Um, Jimmy Page used to say that um, an album is meant to be a snapshot of where your band is at that given time, which makes me think, you know, um, this being your, your third album, what is it starting to say about where your band is right now? Yeah, you know, I, I love that saying, and I've said it since our very first album, you know, which um, is kind of one of those hurdles where 
you're you're afraid to put anything out the first time, but uh, looking at music as a snapshot of, or really an expression of just where things are at. You know, it makes the music more honest and, and it gets your music out there. But you know, right now I think the music's turning. We've been doing high energy rock for a long time, and our shows are very energetic. But I think the music is turning a little more, I guess, inward in the fact that uh, more lyric focused. Um, and like I said, I've been looking, listening to that band Pine Grove, and there's a little more of a songwriter Texas kind of influence going on in what we've been writing lately. Um, but you know, like Runner Our Last Soul is funky and rocky, you know, and so it's still have an edge, but lyrically, you know, there's a lot of elements going on as far as, you know, turning 30 soon, that type of a kind of introspection. And then, you know, being on the road a lot more, there's just experiences. So if anything, I feel like this third album is very honest in the way that I'd like it to be, you know? And kind of turning that around on, on, on you, not so much the music. Have you seen, have you felt yourself kind of, um, progress as a, as a musician and as a, as a band leader? Yeah, man. You know, I mean, honestly, as a person, and uh, like I was saying earlier, this this year we were on the road more than we had been in the past, you know, and, and exactly in the way that we want to be, you know, like that's what everybody in the band uh, and myself have all wanted to tour since we were kids, you know, and, uh, and but, you know, that, is, that constant go, go, go is obviously a whirlwind for all of us. There's a lot of different hurdles and stuff, and and so all that, you know, is really, I think the whole band has grown from it and made it, you know, the priorities become very clear on what we're doing out here, you know? Um, everybody thinks they want to tour. What have you, what have you learned about touring that you don't like? Oh, you know, I mean, to be honest, I've been touring in some type of way uh, since, I guess, you know, 2013, um, back in, you know, that's when we were packing everything into a SUV type thing, you know, and, uh, I've personally always loved the minutia of it. Um, uh, maybe because I knew it's, I was always told it's hard work. Yeah. Um, and if anything, it's, it's just all about the hang, you know, you gotta be able to have a good time when things aren't so easy. And luckily with our crew, we got a lot of great, great people on and, uh, and it stays fun, you know? Um, touching on the live album a little bit, I'm, I'm somebody who loves live albums. I lean toward everything live. I want to hear what a band can do without a safety net. Um, what are you kind of learning about the, the songs that are going to be recorded in the studio? What are they kind of telling you about themselves as you play them more and more uh, live? Uh, as far as like the, you mean the live material that we've been playing that's going to be recorded here soon? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, those types of things. One thing I learned, uh, this is a late lesson, but I don't know why it kicked into gear one day for me. You know, I've stopped, at, stopped asking the crowd if they want to hear a new one. Cause it just never goes over the way you think it's going to go. And so we'll play the new song and then, you know, sometimes they dig it. And I'll be like, that's a new one, you know? And, 
if it wasn't, you know, the response we were looking for, then, you know, maybe it's time to change something. But um, kind of like a blind litmus test, you know. Um, but really, it, it's the freedom of it not being recorded. Um, not that we put a lot of stock in, because we'll change recorded songs live and do different renditions just because songs are always growing, you know. Especially when you play them a thousand times, you're just going to start playing different things. Um, but, you know, the new songs, we'll, we'll try and record and listen back or something, you know, and if we play them live at a venue for the first time or whatever and, and see what needs changing. There's always something, you know. Um, this is something I've never asked anyone because I've, I've never, I never really thought about it till last night. Um, what's it like recording a live album? Um, do you get your, I know you did, did the one, um, you know, knowing that you're going into a night that you're going to record, are there, how's, how's that feel? Uh, uh like how you broke up there at the end, you say like, "How's it feel?" Yeah, how's it how's it feel to to know you're going to be putting the putting the show on tape? It's one thing, if, you know, if you're being bootlegged or something like that, um, and you don't know that the recording is is happening. But what's it like when you do? Is are there any nerves that go into that? Oh hell yeah, man! <laughs> I've I've honestly never been a um, you know I've, I've luckily never had a lot of stage fright. Uh, there's always those kind of like butterflies right before you get on kind of like nervous energy, you know, and then it's kind of the reason why we usually like to start with like an instrumental or a jam of some sort, just kind of let everything set in, you know, and then by song two, you're just rolling and it doesn't feel like nothing. But, um, but, uh, you know, doing the live recording, I think just it felt right to do with where we were, we were coming out of the pandemic, um, at least as far as gearing up. Um, we put out our EP, Back to Blue, in June of that year, and we just had new material. We had really been working up new stuff, and uh, I was like, man, I want to get this out there, and I really have been focusing on our recordings sounding and feeling like we sound and feel as a live band, and then it just fell right to say, well, then let's just cut something live, you know? Like we want an honest representation and stuff like that, and so, man. But uh, it, you know, we didn't do the thing where you do a couple shows, and you know, you pick from that. You know, we did the one show and took what we liked. You know, um, but it was important to me. I didn't want to be overdubbing guitar solos after you know six months after the show or something like that. You know, I wanted to keep it pretty honest, and and we did. You know, so I. One of the main reasons, though, I also like the idea of the live album was I've always enjoyed hearing bands that I like, you know, a live album after the studio version because you get to appreciate those renditions. Uh, and where we were at that point as a band, we weren't ready to spend the money to get another full studio album done or uh, go into, into studio for the next production. So I thought it'd be cool to introduce some stuff live and then bring out, you know, like Runner. Um, do a studio version later. Have you been recording other shows al along this year and this tour? Uh, we haven't recorded anything for release. We, we will record things kind of for ourselves, you know, like I said, listening back. That was a, a definitely a different production than we carry with us on, on the road. Um, as far as the crew and the gear uh, recording it, um, that was Malcolm Harper out of Austin, Texas with Real Sound Audio and 
and he's just real fantastic, but brought in a lot of analog gear that, you know, um, really um, ended up being worth it, I think, for the sound of the album. But uh, there's, there's definitely uh, plans to do live stuff in the future. Awesome. I absolutely love that. I'm a live documentarian. I want to listen to all the live stuff. You know, with the studio stuff is sort of a reference, but the live stuff is where I feel like um, you really get a feel for what a band is. 100%, man. Um, and lastly, I know you, it looks like you're, you've only got a couple of dates coming up. Um, you're down in Florida, I think, next week. Yeah, we got a couple a uh, couple shows happening um, round round about there, and then we're we're going quiet for the year, and uh, and going to get on these recordings. And that was exactly what I was going to ask you. Um, so that being said, I will cross my fingers that you make your way up to uh, to Vermont sometime in 2024, and uh, I'll buy you a drink. Yeah, we'd love to, man. We played the higher ground in, in 2022. Um, and I've been wanting to come back there since. No, no way. That's my, I, um, I'm one of the house photographers at Higher Ground. And I work there all the time. I just didn't recognize, nice, I never would have recognized your name back then. Well, now yeah, I'm, yeah, no, now I'm going to be looking out. Rock and roll, man. I hope to see you down there. Sounds good. Thank you so much for taking some time out of the, out of your night, Clay. Um, I apologize for the, for the, uh, the scheduling snafus, but uh, best of luck for the rest of 2023. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your album next year, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate it, Ross.